Salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 119 of Har Business. Har Business. And today we are talking about, uh, oh my God, I just drew a fucking blank. <laughs> two two uh, European Har films. One pretends it to not be Italian, but they're both Italian. Uh, I like I that you even, said it pretended. It pretended. I don't even know what year these movies can. I, I am a mess right now. We are talking about. Uh, we'll go in alphabetical order. We're, <laughs> we're talking about Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, a.k.a. The Living Dead of Manchester Morgue. And Nightmare City, a.k.a. City of the Walking Dead. Oh, is that one of the names of this? I believe so, yeah. Huh. Weird. I did not know that. Um, also, it took me a while, for some reason, uh, for a long time, I thought the Living Dead of Manchester Morgue was the same as um, Anthropophagus or whatever it is. Oh yeah, the 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 um, I almost said the Joe Dante film. <laughs> Can you imagine that film directed by Joe Dante? It would be so whimsical and fun, <laughs> and no, and no unlicensed child workers would be killed on the set of it. Get it? Because he was on the Twilight Zone movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie came out in 1974. That came out in 1974. Oh, that really changes, like, the dynamic of this movie, I think. Yeah, why? Well, we'll get to it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, and then uh, Nightmare City came out in 1980, which doesn't change a a fucking thing about this movie. (laughs) Just, there it is. Uh, But, before we get to talking about these wonderful, wonderful... um, I hesitated to call them both zombie films because there are no zombies in, in Nightmare City. Before we get to these wonderful uh, us being attacked by things that used to be us but are now a them, um, we would like to thank our sponsors. Yes, we would. <laughs> Actually, before we... God damn it. Before we thank our sponsors, we would like to thank you, our Patreon subscribers, our patrons, the wonderful people who give us money, who, who listen to this podcast and they, they, they hear the sound waves that emanate out of their car speakers or their headphones, or um, if you're listening to this on your phone speaker, I'm sorry, because I probably sound like even more of a fucking gargoyle than I do in real life. Um, But people who hear the words that Liam and I say, and sometimes the things that our guests say, and they think, huh, I would like to be an active supporter in this and not just a passive supporter, so I'm going to give them money. Sure, yeah. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. This goes out to you. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of yell. You're doing a lot of yelling right now. There's a lot of yelling. Oh, right now. As opposed to when I'm, <laughs> I'm as opposed to not usually when I'm so calm and reasonable and measured in my responses. 
We also want to thank. We also want to thank. We want to thank. What the fuck? We also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, I mean, not Chris Reject because he is no. a, a burden on our lives in every way. Not but- his shitty rotting dogs either. <laughs> I like the doggies. I fucking hate those dogs. They're the <laughs> only two dogs on the face of this planet I hate because they are like Resident Evil dogs, but dumb. However, his staff is great, and you should get all your stuff printed there. <laughs> Agreed. If you want to get a t-shirt, okay. If you want to get a t-shirt that that has um that has on the back of it a certain number of members of a certain court in a certain country in a certain hemisphere of a certain planet. Let's just say it's the highest court of this particular land. Like it's a court that is like it's like above the rest. It's like it rains in some kind of way above the rest. Like, let's just say hypothetically, you wanted to get this, this, this court that rained in a way that a certain band from Philadelphia in 2005 to 2010 rained. If you're picking up what I'm putting down and there's <laughs> a, like a number between like five and seven on there. And they were like depictions of these certain people uh, being guillotined in the name of women's rights. If you wanted to get that t-shirt made, you could go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. I can't guarantee that the FBI won't come knocking on your door. Hopefully they go to Chris first, but if you want to get that shirt made, he would do it for you because he has no scruples whatsoever. I mean, I definitely saw a shirt that had uh, uh uh, Cret Bavanaugh on it. Oh, in, worst in, dude! In a in a uh, sniper site for the band Highway Shooter. You know that band Highway Shooter? I do now, uh, and they're awesome. <laughs> they definitely have a Cret Bavanaugh shirt. Yeah. Whoever that whoever that is, I, I don't know. know. I don't. I don't know who that is. I don't know who any of these fucking monsters are. These scumbag fucks. These fucking fascist piece of shit three theocrat motherfuckers who ought to be booted into the ocean like and not like our ocean which is bad enough and is filled with things i can't even think about but like a fictional shitty ocean like uh like the pirates of dark water ocean and then he gets swallowed up by dark water wow this is the the like fifth time in the last month i've thought of the pirates of dark water it's such a random reference it's great why was i thinking well first of all i saw it on i saw the the Remember the the kick ass beginning to that show? I saw uh, yeah. it, I saw it on TikTok for some reason, and then I was watching Craig of the Creek, and two of these older characters on the show started arguing about Pirates of Dark Water, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on? This keeps coming up in my life." It's a show I haven't thought of since it was on TV. Synchronicity, my friend. Synchronicity. <sighs> Anyways, get something printed by Lehigh Valley Apparel. It's great. Yeah. Who? Uh, what other? What other fucking sponsors are there out there? Well, we got two other people we're going to thank. One is Essex Coffee Roasters. We'll make this quick. You like coffee. Chances are, chances are you like coffee out there. If you're listening to this, if you're someone who likes coffee, or for that matter, tea, because they also have great tea there, you're going to want to head to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. They've got uh, premium coffee roasted to order. That's right. They're not roasting it until you order it. Yeah, none uh, of this bullshit sit on the shelf until you buy it. Yeah. None of that. It's, it's going to be fresh as hell. They're going to send you tea. They're going to send you merch. They got all kinds of cool stuff there. On your way out of the website, when you're finishing your order, you're going to put in code CINEPUNKS, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X, 
you're going to get 10% off your order. Come on. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, there's literally no reason other than evil for you to not do that. Or possibly yeah. ignorance, I guess. So do it. Okay, that was good. SSCoffeeRoasters.com. Um, and, and then, of course, this episode, like all of our episodes, is edited, sound corrected by our friend Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. If you guys follow them on social media, you may have noticed that their studio is coming together. My mm-hmm. man, he got a studio space. What does that mean for you? That means he's going to have a recording area for uh, podcasts and audio. He's going to have a green screen area for making videos. He's going to have a workshop for making puppets and stuff. Mm-hmm. My man is going to have the space to accomplish your media needs. Maybe you need to stream something. Maybe you need some video edited or shot. Maybe you need some audio edited or recorded. My man Sharky has you. So head over to mechanicalsharkmedia.com or find them on any number of social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Grinder. Grinder. He's on there. And, you know, they're going to help you out with all this stuff. I, I really think it's worth your time to get your media produced by Sharky at Mechanical Shark Media. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's all the things. That's all the things. That's all the things. Now, before we go any further, now comes yes. the time in the podcast when I am riding my motorcycle from Manchester to somewhere in England. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very stylish, by the way. I'm an antique dealer, very stylish looking driving and i'm like oh i'm gonna get some um some petroleum distillate and my tires are vulcanized and as i'm stopping at the petrol station some fucking woman backs her car her fucking probably like um uh, like a volkswagen which means she's a fascist backs it into my beautiful motorcycle and fucking dents the whole up and i'm like i look at the shopkeeper and i'm like oh that's my friend liam he runs a gas station in the middle of England. And before I tell him to, to get me the, uh, the number of the local inn where, I can, where I, can, I can stay, I ask him, hey, gas station keeper Liam, gas station, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done involving Har recently? Wow, what a fun and exciting question I couldn't possibly have seen coming. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Well, okay. I think the last episode we did, I talked about crimes of the future, right? I think yes. we did that already. So since then, I actually did another thing in person. Uh, people who are new to the show won't know this, but longtime listeners will know that I co-run Rough Cut Fan Club uh, with friend of the show, uh, Justin Hauntlove uh, Miller. And we collaborated with a coffee shop here in Chicago called The Brood. What up? The Brood, B-R-E-W-E-D. Uh, it's connected to Brick and Brack Records, which another pe- number of people know. And it's a horror-themed coffee shop where they do, you know, various events and screenings and stuff. And they wanted to, to do uh, an exclusive rough cut design, only available in the store or on their shop online, uh, to coincide with the release of The Seventh Curse on Blu-ray. Uh, now... To be fair, we didn't screen the Blu-ray because they delayed the release of the Blu-ray. So we just screened the DVD, unfortunately. But we did have that shirt, a shirt for the Seventh Kurtz and a shirt for Boxer's Omen available at the event. They're now available on their website. And uh, and we watched The Seventh Curse, which is a movie that I had seen, but not for a very long time. And I guess it would be hard to, cla- I mean, I don't know that everyone would classify The Seventh Curse as horror because it's so much of also like an action sort of kung fu kind of movie. 
but it's nonstop monsters, Justin. I don't know if you've seen The Seventh Curse. I have, but it is. I like, an, I like the way it sounds. It's an explosion of monsters. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, a, a, the plot is a little complicated to to summarize, but suffice it to say, uh, uh, a guy, I guess he kind of forgets that he has this curse on him, uh, and then he is reminded of a time when he was um, uh, on this uh, uh, remote island and this local group of people, they worship their ancestors, but it turns out that their ancestor is, uh, you know, uh, I say a vampire, but don't think Dracula. Think like uh, uh, the golden vampires from the, from the uh, uh, Shaw, Shaw brothers uh, productions, like the, the jumping vampire phenomena in, uh, uh, Hong Kong and Chinese films. It's a little bit different mythology, you know? Uh, okay. So there's, there's a number of other sort of monsters and other things kind of involved in these stories. Uh, but basically, you know, w- once every, however many years they sacrifice someone to this, this uh, undead being who then sucks their blood and can live longer. And, but he has other sort of magical powers and stuff. Anyways, it's a movie that is so, you know, those films that are so over the top, in both their action and gore that they're fun and funny, but they're like not a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's basically what this is. And it's a real, it's a real Hong Kong thing. I, I, I don't know how into Hong Kong action and horror you are, Justin. We have, it's not something we've talked about much on the show, uh, but I'm a huge I, fan. I am like adjacent to it. Like I am good friends with a few people who are way into it. I myself have never dabbled in it, but Again, I've I've kind of it's it's in my world. You know what I mean? It's it's there. It's like okay, have you ever like been washing the dishes and you look outside in the street and there's a man standing there just looking at you? Okay. That is Hong Kong action hard to me. <laughs> okay, well, how about this? Maybe we should do an episode talking about the seventh curse and Liam, I guess I we could do Boxer's Omen. I would love that. Okay. Well, regardless, I the screening was fun. Again, I was kind of bummed it was the DVD, but there was nothing they could do. The Blu-ray got the Blu-ray release got delayed, so we watched the DVD, and that was still a lot of fun. Um, I am wanting to get the Blu-ray, but I don't have a region-free Blu-ray player, so I might be delayed in getting the Blu-ray. But we'll see. I might may, maybe I'll be able to get a different uh, Blu-ray player and get it. Uh, the other thing I watched that was horror-related is I watched that film called and and. It's going to sound weird now because I've said watch so many times. The Watcher. How is that? Uh, so I thought it was really good. It's it's definitely a more of a psychological thriller, I guess you would say. Right. You know, um, yeah. but it's no less great for that. There's a it's a, got a ton of anxiety. It's very much. Uh, I mean, I guess it could be a little awkward for some people because it's very much about american person in a country where they don't speak the language oh no but it plays off a lot of things there's a lot of unexpected aspects a lot of things that i didn't see coming um and it yeah it gave me a a strong sense of dread and anxiety um i think the ending is probably going to be controversial for some people i would i would like to see how people respond to it but i loved it i thought it was great um, and I would highly, I would highly recommend it to people, especially if you're someone for whom uh, those kind of psychological Hitchcockian vibes are like up your alley. Um, this definitely has that, I think, in spades. So 
and and there is a bit of gore in it. It's not super. It's, that's not really the point of it. But there's a, there's some gross moments that I think are pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, that's about it for me. Other than uh, volume two of Stranger Things, which I'm assuming you're gonna want to talk about as well. Yeah. Uh, let's just go right there. <laughs> Sounds just, good. Yeah. Uh. We should keep this spoiler free. It's hard to, but yes. Um, uh, I, I thought it was amazing. Um, I, there's so much I fucking want to say. Uh, it could have been trimmed down a little bit. I really honestly feel like, uh, the ending could have been just crunched down a little bit. Um, but I don't know. Like, there was a moment when I thought they were going to do something where I was like, is, is that, that is like, I, fuck, there's no way to talk about it. Uh, there let's, was a lot. Let's, we, can, we can come back in a later episode to talk about the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. A yeah. little more comfortable spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, first things first, uh, I watched a little film called Mad God on Shudder. Um, it's the Phil Tippett film. Stop I, I, I started it. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, here is what I'll say about this. And um, I have a feeling that this is going to resonate with a lot of people. I am not a stop motion animation uh, connoisseur. Like, I can tell you, oh, that's stop motion animation. I, I can, I, like, I know what it is. I have a grasp on it. And I know, like, the basic history of it. I know who Phil Tippett is. But I'm not a person who sees that stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that is, like... Like, I'm not, like, a big fan of, like, the Brothers Quay. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like... That makes sense. It's, it's, it, 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 as an art form, I'm not, like... I'm, I, I don't dislike it. I think it looks... A fish. I think it looks cool a lot of times, but I'm not like a person who can let. I couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? You see what I'm trying to say? Like I'm not like a person who's yeah, like, wow. Yeah. Um, Mad God was made for people who are like, oh, okay, here we go. When when Manny Pacquiao fought Floyd Mayweather, it was an amazing boxing match where two top tier athletes showed off their skills perfectly. But the problem with boxing is that when you have two people who are very good at defending themselves, even though they're doing an incredible job to the average viewer, they're not like, what the, f it's just these guys, like, it's like a lot of technical stuff, which isn't like, unless you, unless you know what you're seeing, you're not like impressed by it because you're going to be like, I want to see someone get knocked the fuck out. I want to see like haymakers being thrown. That's how I feel about this movie is like, there's a lot of really weird, terrifying imagery and it, it it's. It, it, it looks amazing, but I have a feeling that if I was like a stop motion enthusiast, a person who like went out of the way, like if I was actually a fan of like the Quay Brothers films, I would have probably been like in all of what I was watching when I watched this movie. So it's like, it's, it's good, but I think it was meant for an audience that was like not me, but I still enjoyed it. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, before I get on to like the uh, the uh, f film festival I went to, I watched a little film called Revealer on Shutter. Um, 
It's very good. It's on there right now. It's a, it takes place in like the eighties. It's about a, an exotic dancer who gets trapped in a, um, like a peep show booth with a protest, like a Christian protester, um, in the apocalypse. And they have to figure out, like, they have to get out of there. They have to like fight their way out. And it's like an admittedly goofy, goofy premise, but there's a lot of like really weird, interesting theological discussions going on in the movie. Um, and it, uh, was at times genuinely frightening. Like it, it, it dealt with the, uh, it dealt with a very large premise and you know, the apocalypse, like a, but it managed to take it and make it claustrophobic in this tiny setting that they were in. And I really appreciated that. Um, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's good. I, I, you know, I, re I really enjoyed it. Uh, also this past week, if you've been following me on Instagram or you, you know, follow Cinepunks, you know that I attended the 2022 Chattanooga Film Festival. <laughs> <coughs> that was, that was, uh, that was a trumpet, by the way. Uh, I don't know. Heralding me going to the, attending the virtual thing. Um, I saw a lot of good movies. I saw a handful of bad ones. Um, I only wrote about the ones that really made an impression on me. Um, there was one movie that was like a private or not a private, a secret screening where they didn't announce what it was until you watched it. Unfortunately, there's an embargo on it until um, until it gets a theatrical release. So I can't talk about it. Uh, not on the show anyway. Um, but it, that that was fun. Um, I saw a film that's not wasn't technically horror. So I didn't I didn't really write about it. I might write about it for Cinepunks, but I didn't write about it for uh, for horror business or anything. Um, Wolva, it might be pronounced. Is is it? Hang on a second. Let me let me find it. Volka. Is it pronounced Volka? Probably Volka. Probably Volka. Um, contender for my number one film of the year. If you get a chance to see that, go see it. Um, another film that stuck out was uh, a film called The Outwaters, which uh I described in my review as like the captain's log footage from Event Horizon stretched out into a found footage film. Um, a little film called The Creeping, which was excellent. Uh, a film called The Leech, which had the homie Graham Skipper in it, which was one of the most uncomfortable films I've ever seen. Uh, and then a movie, a, two movies, uh, the third Saturday in October and the third Saturday in October, part five. Now you're probably wondering why did they only show part one and part five? Because there isn't a two, three, and four. The meaning, the, the reason this movie was made these films were made this way was because the director wanted to capture the feeling of when you were a kid and you went into a video store and you saw like, oh, uh, in my specific case, Puppet Master 3, I've never seen Puppet Master 1 and 2, what am I going to do? I guess I'll just watch this. And then you have to watch the movie and kind of like draw your own conclusions as to the backstory. Uh, and that's how this movie works. Like the first one is just your generic run-of-the-mill slasher. And then the second one, part five, there's all this stuff in there that you're supposed to know that would have been explained in the prior three films between part five and part one that it's kind of like they take for granted that, you know, but you obviously don't and you can't. And it stills like, oh, that was actually pretty fun. And it kind of did remind me of like being a kid again and being like, oh, that's weird. You know, why are the werewolves in the howling part four of the marsupials? Why, why are they, why are they, why do they have kangaroo pouches? That's, that's weird. I'm sure it'll explain that in part one when I'm allowed to watch that. Um, 
But yeah, if you want to know more in-depth and overly verbose what I thought about these movies, you can go to Cinepunks.com and check out my reviews. Um, I also saw in theaters a little movie called The Black Phone that I I only remembered because I looked at my Instagram and was like, oh yeah, I, I saw The Black Phone. Um, that movie was fucking terrifying, and Ethan Hawke should not be allowed near children ever again. Okay. I <laughs> know uh, it was it was honestly like it was like um it did that th- it it did something that I've never really seen before in a movie where there was like a serial killer in a movie with the supernatural and the supernatural was actually like not the serial killer it was actually like like the good guys I guess uh and what made it so creepy, aside from the fact that it's a man who's killing children, was like, you ever watch like the, 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 the first Tim Burton Batman where it's like Jack Nicholson as the Joker? What makes him so fucking scary is that most of his acting is done with his eyes because his fucking the lower half of his face is just smiling the entire time. So all the acting has to come from his eyes. And it's like so. uh there's something that's like unsettling about a well done. There's that big smile, but the eyes are completely flat or even scarier, just like furious. Like in this movie, there's, there's times when like Ethan Hawke will have like the bottom half of the mask with a frown or no mouth at all, which is even worse. And his eyes are just like, just insane. And it's like every fucking second he is talking and he is on screen. I wanted to like leave the theater and take a shower with a Brillo pad. It just felt so fucking disgusting. Um, but very good. I was, it was, a the, the main character I think was a little, for people who've seen this, I felt who have seen this movie. I think that the main character was kind of overshadowed by his sister, who is like such a dynamic character. Whereas the protagonist, it's not that he wasn't dynamic. It's just kind of like, there he is. He's in this fucking room with this crazy guy. And meanwhile, his little sister is like uh, challenging Jesus to like prove he exists. She's yelling at cops. She's like fighting bullies. Um, and I don't know. It just it just felt like the movie like it, 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 they could have done a better job of beefing his presence up instead of having the film be able to be overtaken by uh by her. But it was still it was still a fucking blast to watch. And I, I, I would highly recommend it to anyone who is thinking about seeing it. Now I um I don't actually I don't have a I don't have a good question. I, I'm I'm very curious to see it, but uh I just haven't had time to go. And most people I know liked it and a couple people I know didn't like it but I haven't gotten any reasons why yet. So I think I'm still going to make the effort to see it in the theater. I just think it's something I probably need to see in the theater. If I can. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it doesn't ha- like the problem with, uh, Scott Derrickson is everyone talks about sinister. Everyone keeps uh, this, the modern classic sinister. And I really, really like that movie, except for the very end where the kids do the, sh- the, the new metal shushing gesture. Like, that overshadows the rest of that movie for me. Like, I, I cannot separate that movie from that fucking stupid ending. Um, but no, I don't know. I, I, really liked, uh, I really liked the Black Phone. All right, well, 
I'm excited to check it out. Yep. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1974's Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, a.k.a. The Living Dead at Manchester, Mog, a.k.a. Uh, some, like 40 titles. This movie has so many titles, it's unnecessary. Uh, we'll be right back. Anyone about? Sergeant Christ and Saints are out of fashion. Satan's all the rage these days. Listen, boy, you keep getting on my nerves, and I'm going to give you another kind of house to look after. One with lots of bars in the windows. <laughs> We'd better reinforce that door. Take the lamp. I can just imagine the sergeant's face when he finds out. Craig, can you hear me? Sergeant, they're dead people trying to kill me! Message for you. Look, I know it sounds silly, but is it possible? I mean, could a film fail to catch an image for any reason? Well, a ghost, maybe.
And we are back to talk about 1974's Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, a.k.a. The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, a.k.a. Uh, a bunch of titles in Italian. Um, now. Bunch of titles in Italian could be the name of a movie. Oh, yeah, that could be like a giallo right there. Uh, oh, it was also, oh, here we go. It was uh, Do Not Profane the Sleep of the Dead and Don't Open the Window. Yeah. Those are cool titles. Um, so here's the, here's the fun thing about this movie. Yeah. Here's the fun thing about this movie. This movie came out in 1974. This movie came out four years before the American Dawn of the Dead. So, yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Jesus Christ. Um, watching this movie, it might be safe. You might assume, like, oh, this is just, like, another, like, Bruno Mattei, uh, Joe D'Amato. Uh, oh, no. Fulci, Fulci, like, zombie movie. This movie precedes Dawn of the Dead by four years. Whoever made this movie, and if, I mean, I, I can't look it up. I don't have a computer in front of me or anything like that, so I can't stop, look it up. Stop, stop. Um, I'll look it up. You keep talking. The filmmakers of this movie, they were, like, way ahead of the curve um, when it comes to zombies. Georges Grau. A good, solid Irish name for this. Stop. <laughs> um, no, I mean, this, this movie really, like, uh, when it comes to, like, gore, when it comes to, um, like, I like the fact, like, as much as I like the fact that, like, none of the living dead shit just happens and the, the zombies just, they, the, the recently dead are just blah, blah, blah. Then they're like, fuck it. That's, they're, they're, they're back. That's all that matters. Like, I like that this movie has a, like, solid reason as to what's bringing the dead back to life. Um, I would, I would suggest that this movie could be seen as a solid intermediary between night and dawn. Like if I was doing like a like a zombie fest, I could see showing this between night and dawn and just telling people like my head canon is that these two things happen between each other because it even though it has its own weird and, and let's be clear, y'all, we, we we were talking about a zombie movie here, but this is undoubtedly a Euro zombie movie. This it, has 100%. Euro, Euro stuff all over it. It's got that weird atmosphere. It's got a really kind of slow pace at times. But it really builds into a movie that feels in line with the rest of the Dead series, even though I don't think it was intended that way. No, I mean, and that's the thing is like, it doesn't, it didn't try to piggy, like, I love Zombie 2 and all the other, you know, zombie movies. They're great, but they were made to try to like piggyback off Dawn of the Dead. Yes. This, this movie wasn't like when this movie was made. Did people even know, like, did filmmakers besides uh, Argento know who George Romero was? Because of, like, I mean, this is like six years after, six or seven years after Night of the Living Dead. This is when George Romero was making fucking There's Always Vanilla and Night Riders and all that shit. I, no, I think Night Riders is from the 80s. Oh, it is? Okay, then There's Always Vanilla. Yeah. Or, or you know, or The Crazies, right? Or I think The, the crazies, crazies, yeah. is from 74. Yeah, this is this is this is actually probably closer to the crazies than it is like. Um, no, I mean, yeah, this movie actually does have a lot like in common with the crazies. Uh, and yeah, in fact, I would say it it is it kind of has similar ideas to the crazies, but it fits more into this movie fits more into Romero's filmography than the crazies does because the fr crazies feels like 
he's trying to break away from what he was doing in the yes. in Night of Living Dead. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it just the fact that this movie it, it's like you could you could probably watch this movie and not be impressed by it, but you have to put yourself in in the shoes of some this in the context of this came out again four years before Dawn of the Dead came out, five years before Zombie Two came out, uh, a bunch of years before fucking Nightmare City and Hell of the Living Dead and all the other you know Euro zombie movies came out. I think the only Euro movie that preceded this for zombies was like tombs of the blind dead. Cause that came out what, like 69 right. or 70. Well, and you could easily say that this movie is also influenced by tombs of the blind dead, not in the dead, but in the vibe. It, it, oh yeah. It, it almost feels like someone was like, take night of the living dead, take tombs of the blind dead, and then take like British sci-fi, which, you know, you, you might think this movie is a British sci-fi movie. It's not, but it has some of those British, television sci-fi which if you don't know british television sci-fi that might sound like a negative comment it is not so the the british tv in the 70s had some real fucked up uh shit on it and uh some of their sci-fi was real nihilistic even though it was just on tv i it definitely has big like day the triffids and like quarter mass and the pit vibes uh-huh yeah 100 and it takes all these elements and it makes a movie that is completely consistent makes sense all the way through and really asks a lot of its audience, like really pushes the audience for 1974. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I want to point out is that like, unlike in night of the living dead and to a point dawn of the dead, because the zombies and dawn of the dead are just blue. Um, the zombies in this film, they successfully pull off the, these are not people anymore. These are just things that look like people with the fucking, the, the contact lenses, like, that's how you know that they're dead, that yeah. they're zombies, is that the, the red con, that shit was so fucking creepy. Especially when it's, like, um, like, the, the first zombie we see, which is, like, the guy who, um, he, like, he was, like, a drowning victim or something like that. Like, when we first see that guy, it's so fucking upsetting. Because... He's just like this tall, gaunt guy with this like shock of black hair and then these fucking red eyes. And not like it's it's like it's it's red in the way that it's almost like 28 days later where it's just like the red uh, irises. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the, the parts of the eye, the scleras, the pupils. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of that. Um, but no, it's like when you see like a person in like when you see Johnny, when he comes back in Night of the Living Dead to kill, to kill Barbara, you're like, oh, it's just Johnny. He's just now he sucks. Uh, in this movie, the, the the zombies look significantly other, and it's fucking frightening. It's so upsetting, um, especially the one with the the bandage wrapped around its head. Like, oh my god! I don't know. I love this movie so much. It's so. I mean, first of all, when you suggested it, it was one of those movies where I thought, "Fuck, how have I not actually already seen this?" And then when I tried to watch it, it's not as widely available as you would think, right? Um, it has that iconic poster that also is, I think, on the, I think there's a Blu-ray of it now, and it's on yeah. the Blu-ray. But even the Blu-ray is not easy to find. It, it, it certainly was really hard to stream. And uh, this, is a, this is a movie that more people should be obsessed with. A again, I was the one who uh, stupidly th thought this was a Joe D'Amato film, and that's not it is not that it is uh it is an entirely different beast it is very much a 
movie set in England with a director who's clearly not British. But yeah. all, all that does is add some of that Euro horror vibe to a movie that I think benefits from it. If you had told me, I mean, I don't know about you, Justin. I went through a period when I was really obsessed with Romero where zombie movies that didn't play by the Romero rules, they were not, they were not as, as favorable to me. I was like, look, there's Night of the Living Dead. There's Dawn of the Dead. There's Day, which is, you know, eh, it's okay. And, and then Whoa. everything, I, I mean, it's Whoa. certainly not as good as the first two. That's, I'll, I'll go that far. That's a high um, bar to pass, my friend. That doesn't mean it's bad. I don't know if it's bad, but it's not. In other words, it's not that it's a perfect trilogy, but all these other zombie movies that came out around the those times, I thought, yeah, but they're not as good, right? They're not as good. They just can't hold up. And I, I don't know that I'd say this movie is better than Dawn, but I think writing off movies like this was a mistake because this is very good. Like, it, it is a... I mean, I'll straight up say I enjoy this more than I enjoy Day of the Dead, period. Okay. That's just the reality for me. And, and that's not, again, I'll rewatch Day of the Dead anytime, but I think this is just a better film. I think it's better executed. I think it has more of a sense of dread. And I think it, it without having people eating rotting guts for real, it manages to still be like haunting without having to, yeah. to do some of that crazy stuff. And I think the end is just like, an unforgiving way to end a fucking movie. Absolutely. It really works. It's like right up there with like night of the living dead and like that way, except you get that fucking nice, got that at the end of it, that nice Italian kiss, which is fitting because it's an Italian film. I don't know if you knew that, but this is not a British movie. Liam. Did you know that it's made by an Italian director? Is he Italian? I don't think he's he's Italian. Italian. It's an Italian movie. It's an Italian movie. It's a Spanish Italian movie. So it's got that nice This man is without a doubt Spanish. He is a it's Spanish got that, man. It's got that nice zest to it at the end. You just He, he was born in Barcelona. He's literally born in Barcelona. Okay. I'm making the Italian hand gesture right now. <laughs> um, so uh, so on this something else serious that's not me being borderline racist. Um I also like the fact that this movie has a touch just like a smidge of folk car to it. In the sense Agreed. that our main our, our main character is this like cosmopolitan like inner city guy, and he's just like out in the wilds of like England. And at one point, he asks, "How do I get to like this uh, place?" And the guy's like, "Oh, you see that hill right there? Go over that hill, and then go two roads up, and then on the third road, make a right." And the guy's like, "What the fuck? Like stop signs? Like tell me like?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't know." So it's like there's this element that like this man from the city is now like a man out of out of out of place in the country and on top of that the dead are coming back to life to try to kill him well and it's it's it sort of takes the embodiment of some of the metaphors of folk art very literally in that like uh, in 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 our uh struggle to advance into the future that was so loud by the way uh <laughs> in our in our struggle to advance into the future with science we inevitably raise the ghosts of our past quite literally in this movie so we, we never actually explained. Here's what's going on, guys. The, sci- the science people have decided that a good pesticide would be if they use sound on the insects. Uh, pl- please, Liam, ultrasonic radiation. Ultrasonic radiation sound on the insects that will drive the insects crazy and they'll kill each other. And then they fully admit that, like, yeah, I mean, it affects probably any organism with a simple uh, brain uh, function. 
but like, you know, we didn't test it, right? Like they literally admit in the film that they didn't do any testing than what they're doing right now. Bada bing, bada boom, the dead are coming back to life. And, and well, you, you miss the part where a baby attacks our main character. Like, well, they imply, yes. they don't show, they don't show it. It's, it's very poorly depicted, but then they're like, oh, this child has a poorly developed nervous. This child is an insect, basically. And its nervous system has been warped by this. So then you're like, oh, fuck. Like, what else is this thing going to do? Yeah. And that's like another thing is like the science in this movie is like it, it's kind of treated in a way that like um, like Lovecraft treated scientists where it's like, yeah, they know all this stuff, but they don't know all the stuff. And the, like the guy's like, oh, yeah, it works by it drives the insects to kill each other with their simple nervous systems. And then our protagonist is like, well, what's the range? And the guy's like, they're literally like, I don't know, five miles. Like they don't know the fucking range of this thing. Well, yeah, well, there's actually this moment. They're like, yeah, it's a, well, he, he, at first he says it's a mile. And then when the guy later, when he's figured out that this thing is dangerous, he's like, well, luckily it's only a mile. And then he checks it with it later. They're like, actually, we got it up to five. We got miles. it up to five miles. <laughs> it's like, well, if five miles is within range of like the hospital and shit. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just I'm with Liam on this one. This movie is a tragically underrated film. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting themes. I think, uh, we sort of covered it a little bit, but you know, it, when we're saying folk horror, it's important to acknowledge that in British folk horror, like it, folk horror is more diverse than England, but in British folk horror, it's not just the city versus the country, right? It's all the class distinctions they're in. And this is very much that, like, who is this interloper coming in and telling us what to do? And then if, as soon as things start to go wrong, they're like, well, it must have been that city interloper. He must be a hippie. Like the 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 inherent 1974 anxiety that all hippies are secretly the Manson family and they're gonna burn everyone and do satanic oh. rituals. I mean, th- there's satanic panic vibes here when we often associate those ideas more with the 80s, but the seeds of that was with the hippies, you know, it's with how people saw oh, yeah. counterculture in the 70s. Uh let's not I I the, the the police chief in this movie who is ends up being as much of an antagonist as the fucking zombies. He's a fucking fascist is basically yeah, what is. the movie's about, really. Well, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, ACAB extends over to England as well. Um, yeah, but his level of his, I mean, it's the, the film clearly has a perspective on this guy, which is like, yeah, he's. He's basically ready to get together a little militia of his own at any we time. Got a, you know? We got a regular uh, Oswald or what's what was his name? Um, the fucking fascist guy during like in the twenties over in England. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget that guy's name. I keep wanting to say Oswald Cobblepot, but that's the fucking penguin. <laughs> um, also Oswald, Co- both actually, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the, the, he he has some very choice lines for a protagonist. A certain slur for queer men is dropped very viciously to the point of where I was like, like I saw this movie when I was in college. I actually bought it at the record store in, in da- quote unquote downtown Kutztown. Um, and I remember watching this for the first time. And when the cops like, look at you with your mm, clothes and your hippie, your hippie hair, I was like, Oh, 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 oh Whoa. Let's, let's take it down a notch, my friend. Yeah. I think there's also a sense in which, um, it's not just that they are too prejudiced to see that something's going wrong here beyond just a long haired gentleman has showed up and now people are getting murdered. I think it's also the suggestion of like stuff going on under the surface that no one knows. Like here's this guy and this lady 
basically trying to save everyone's lives. And of course, no one gives a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, they're sure that they're the ones to blame. And I think in the 70s, I mean, we can all kind of identify with that today to various extents, right? But I think it was even more poignant in the 70s that, like, most of the villains were actually heroes. You know, like, most mm-hmm. of the villains that, that were being demonized in the public were actually, like, the best possible people. And so... Like Magneto. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I was thinking of the Black Panther Party, but sure, we'll go with Magneto. Um, but, you know... <laughs> Just, just as a, but just as like a social thing that was going on. So in the movie, it becomes that much more poignant where you're watching them struggle to fight this thing, and you know full well that even if they win, they're not going to win, right? Because everybody's just going to murder them, you know? Yeah, because this is uh, again, it's like, what are they going to like? This <laughs> they they literally have photographs of a fucking dead man killing someone, and they're going. They're like, nah, it was his heroin addict wife, his junkie wife. She did These it. These fucking like, junkie These hippies. junkies with their heroin. And it's like, uh, no, th- you have evidence of a dead man killing her. Like, These fucking with their heroin and their, you know. Um, she does the heroin. <laughs> yeah. And, and if there's one thing um, people on heroin are known for, it's incredible acts of strength and violence. That's, that's what, what he says. It's like, that's what they're known for on, he, on he the heroin. The He's like, it, it's like, you know, when you, you know, that, that scene in the Terminator, when Lance Henderson is like, no, when someone's on PCP, like, though, and you're like, no, that makes sense because people on PCP are like notoriously violent. I don't, I've never met a heroin addict who was anything less than like, Hey man, like, it's like, you don't want to hurt people when you're on heroin. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, you certainly aren't capable of, of incredible acts of sh- like they straight up say like, yeah, it's like he was smashed by someone with monstrous strength. Oh, it's probably his wife on heroin. Yeah, Wait, his, what? His, yeah. His wife of a wife and not fucking Solomon Grundy who killed, who killed <laughs> this guy. I mean, uh, uh, you, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, we, neither one of us are, are drug experts, but I've seen people nodding out the street. You, you can't really walk very well, let alone, smash a body into pulp you know what i mean so anyways i I think that but yeah again like you said i think that plays into the fear that people had at this time they were just like these people probably didn't even know what heroin was what they meant to say was you're on drugs like be it heroin acid mushrooms uh fucking the spice it doesn't matter it's these people are just afraid of drugs and they just she just happened to be like a heroin I mean, to some extent, someone might watch us and feel like the whole movie represents a kind of bias against the country life in England, because the whole movie seems to suggest like you go out to the country and everyone's like, well, science can do no wrong, but hippies, they'll murder you. And that's like the (laughs) whole vibe of the movie. And it's like, "Uh, science can do a lot of wrong, actually, especially in 1974. Yeah, we're uh, we're six years out from that in America. The fucking three three letter disease that you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know. Um, but I was going to say, uh, science possibly going wrong is the theme in our next movie. So I guess we should uh, yes. take a break so, and talk about that. That was let let sleeping corpses lie. Um, you can watch it on Voodoo for free, so you don't have a fucking excuse. It's got commercials, but what do you want? It's capitalism. Welcome to the fucking jungle. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to talk about nineteen eighties. 
I think this is a Umberto Lenzi film. Oh, I know it's an Umberto Lenzi film. Umberto Lenzi film. I have things to say about that. Yeah. Liam has very, a lot of things to say about our friend Umberto Lenzi. We'll be right back. Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Information from an official source, which reached our newsroom this afternoon, stresses the seriousness of the situation. Mr. Miller, something very serious has happened at the airport. But until we conclude our investigation and take the necessary countermeasures, nothing is going to leak out. Nothing. Last night I had this nightmare. It was all about my leg. It was a big explosion. It was right here in the hospital. I got hit. My leg got cut off. Well, we don't have to worry over that any longer. Jim, your leg's going to be just fine. Yes? This is Civil Defense Headquarters. General Murchison would like you to come down here right away. Now! <gasps> individual and others like him have been subjected to strong doses of atomic radiation which increase their physical capacities beyond the norm. In short, it's a kind of a Superman. This is Channel 5 TV station. They're being attacked. For God's sakes, send somebody fast. The victims of these creatures are contaminated, even if they only suffer minor injuries. Then they can reproduce themselves, Colonel, say, indefinitely. Completely on our own. We'll simply have to declare a state of emergency ourselves. Or before we all become contaminated just like them. It's frightening. How could a thing like this happen? It's part of the vital cycle of the human race. Create and obliterate until we destroy ourselves. Have special commando units positioned at all strategic points in and around the city. Public buildings, offices and businesses alike have been ravaged. And damage is estimated in the hundreds of thousands. Lives have been lost, with the end still not in sight. My God, Sheila, what's going on? I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, I don't want us to die. They're all around us, everywhere, everywhere. They're all around. God help us all. And we are back to talk about 1980s Nightmare City, aka City of the Wa- City of the Walking Dead. A.K.A. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's the only movies. That's the only movies. Like I said, this film stars Juva Stieglitz, 
As a television news reporter who witnesses the collapse of a city in a collapse of water in a city overrun by irradiated blood drinking ghouls, victims of the ghouls rise from the dead to join the host, adding to the chaos. Now, what's interesting about this is this movie, when I first got this movie, I got it at Suncoast Video in the Palmer Park Mall as part of like, it was like a three pack of like European horror films. And this is, we're talking like 15, 20 years ago. Um, it was this City of the City of the Living Dead and Hell of the Living Dead. Um, this movie was marketed as a time as like the first quote unquote running zombie movie. Because the, you know, the, the, the quote unquote zombies in this movie, they're just like fucking angry people. Like they can use, they, they can and do use weapons. They can run. They're not your, they're not your dad's zombies is what we're I trying mean, to say. Th this movie should be called radiation vampires. That should be the name of the movie. Cause that's what they are. And, and, uh, that's, uh, uh, Berto Lenzi in, in multiple interviews, including the one that I watched on the, the special features of my Blu-ray is really like, I, you know, he really says, I didn't use the term vampires, but they're vampires. They drink blood. That's the point of the movie. I think at one point, um, Hugo Stieglitz is unfortunate, uh, his wife or his girlfriend ever, she actually suggests going to a church because maybe that will stop them because vampires are afraid of, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But these, these are radiation vampires. It's different. <laughs> so what are they? What scares them off? Like the biohazard symbol? <laughs> Uh, apparently nothing. That's why yeah. they're so fucking frightening is that yeah. like literally they're getting shot multiple times in the chest and they're like, yeah, I don't fucking care, uh, I don't man. give a shit. Yeah. This, yeah, this movie really like it, 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 it can, it, it's, it, it gets compared a lot of times. You see people compare it to like 28 days later. I would say this movie is actually closer to something like, um, Garth Ennis is crossed or to be even more contemporary, the sadness where these people that are like doing this are they're they're they are fully aware of what they're doing. Um, they're able to drive cars, but they're able to plan. They're able to use weapons. They're not these. Yeah, like, they have strategy. Exactly. Yeah. And to me, that is so it's not just that they can run. That's scary. It's that they can like they they can they have strategy like they can like they can trick people and drive cars and um, fucking fire guns and all that shit like. Uh, I don't know. This again. This movie is is another one of those movies. I'm not going to say it's this hidden gem because it's you know it's it's a pretty well known movie. But like, I don't see this movie get discussed enough when it comes to the history of like the the genre of the us versus them that used to be us. Okay, I will say there's a reason. I think one of the reasons for that is that the sort of folks who dig to find these movies sometimes what they would prefer is a living dead uh was is a living dead from Manchester Morgue or at Man at Manchester Morgue, right? I I think it's Living Dead of Manchester Morgue. Oh my Manchester god. Morgue. The point is this, if that was a movie that succeeds in atmosphere, like it really just is a master of atmosphere, this movie is like what the fuck is an atmosphere? Let's just start killing people. Like almost immediately. Like there's no effort really to like give you a sense of place or know where you are. I mean, there's, I would say it's anti giving you a sense of place considering it's an Italian production filmed in Spain. Uh, well, all the exteriors are in Spain. All the interiors were filmed in Rome and the two places it's filmed in Spain are nowhere near. It's just supposed to be a city, right? Yeah. It's and you don't get city. to know where the city is. 
and it has no sense of like location whatsoever. Um, and really, it's just a the the quickest. Hugo Stiglitz is a reporter. He's obviously hot because he's Hugo Stiglitz, <laughs> and he's the first. He's the only guy at the massacre that goes. Maybe we should get the fuck out of here, and then he leaves. That's it. That's his whole, and that's pretty much all he brings to the role. Uh, famously, Umberto Lenzi hated his performance in this movie. He he feels like uh, he felt like Hugo Stieglitz is very attractive and he's very charismatic, but he's not capable of like big emotional reactions. Uh, and uh, the you know the I, the interviewer uh, I was watching this interview and this interviewer suggested at points his reaction to horrifying things is not much more emotional than the scary radiation vampires. And Umberto Lenze was like, I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're oh, wrong. I, I'm sorry, Umberto Lenzi. I'm sorry that he didn't bring the fucking nuanced emotional performance to <laughs> Nightmare City. Oh, you poor... If only you were in a, in a position, some kind of position to make sure you got a good performance out of him. I, I mean... I mean, only- to be fair, Justin, no one tells Hugo Stieglitz what to do. You're That's... fucking right they don't. <laughs> no, I think he's right. I mean, I I, I will say that, that there's... A, a, the only flaws with this film is, one, it's a little inconsistent at times as to, like what's going on with these things you know i think if if you're willing to give it a pretty wide berth as far as like there being quote-unquote rules it's gonna you're gonna have more fun with the movie if you're spending the movie trying to figure out like what exactly is going on with these things you're wasting your time they're just they're melty face radiation vampires they do what the fuck they want yeah don't don't worry about it and then my other criticism is that Hugo Stieglitz, though he is very handsome and very charismatic, there are times where he could be a slightly more emotional. He doesn't give a lot of the world is ending. And at times he's kind of like, all right, let's go. All right, let's keep going here. But on the other hand, I, and this probably wasn't the intention of Umberto Lenzi, but as a viewer, I'm thinking, well, maybe this stoicism is what's helping him get through this shit because exactly. all around him, people are fucking losing their minds. Exactly. He is the rock that we need, Liam. <laughs> he is the rock of stability in a fucking ocean of irradiated vampire monsters. Um, I will go further. I will say this is a perfect film, except for the fucking ending. I You don't like the ending, do you? Top five least favorite endings in film, in any film. Doesn't matter of any genre. I fucking hate this movie. I think it's a fucking cop out. I think it's fucking stupid, and I think it drags the whole movie down. I don't agree. Oh fuck um, you! I don't. I think. Um, I mean, I'm willing to say it is definitely a cheap uh, trick. It's a cheap gimmick. However, I don't know that there had been a lot of people using that cheap gimmick previously. You know, I'm just saying. The, okay, imagine this movie ending with him seeing what he sees, screaming, cut to black. That's it. That would have been that would have been like Night of the Living Dead territory. That would have been like that would have been approaching the kind of ending that like I don't know. I mean, it's not as it's not as like grim and day ruining as like The Mist, but it's up there with like, oh, you thought this was gonna work out fine. You thought that there was gonna be some kind of like resolution in a world where the dead are now drinking our blood sorry but instead we get this fucking stupid uh fucking invaders from mars bullshit like no i don't i don't i don't like it it doesn't bother me that much i i I don't think it's as good i think you're right that that ending would probably be better 
but the ending we get doesn't bum me out. It doesn't at all, you know? And, and honestly, I do think there's a sense, a little bit of a sense of ridiculousness in the movie anyway, considering it just goes right. It yeah. just, we're just shooting people and we're going here. And, um, and that sort of adds to the nightmare. This is a, so, uh, in, in the interview that I watched, Umberto Lenzi talked about how this movie, I mean, this was filmed a while ago cause he's dead now, but, um, he talked about how this movie was painfully still relevant because the movie's about the horrors of the nuclear age and the horrors of nuclear accidents and testing and how technology ruins our lives and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I didn't make this movie, so who cares what I think? That is not the fucking horror of this movie. You know what the horror of this movie is, Justin? What's that? How quickly, by just not paying attention and not really giving a shit, Society completely implodes on itself. The most horrifying moment. I mean, there's a lot of horrifying moments in this movie. That's mostly a fun movie to me in many ways. It still is very dark and cynical, but the most is when the scientist shows up, he goes, no, we figured out a cure. All we got to do is shoot it at them. And the guy goes, we don't have any fucking blades, man. What are you talking about? Like you are literally hours too late with your fucking cure because we have no, we have no planes. We have no soldiers. We are fucked. There is nothing we can do. And um, that reality that, that there would be some some fucking egg hags toilet away trying to create a cure to this thing, and it wouldn't matter because we already lost. We already lost to the I don't I don't radiation I don't vampires. Anything. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about uh, <laughs> eggheads toiling away. Yeah, and yeah, it, it not mattering. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I will say that this is why I will agree though with his underlying point but agree with it for 2022, there is something incredibly relevant here, which is like, think about the anxiety of this movie, right? This feeling that Hugo Stiglitz is walking around being like, I think shit is going wrong. And everyone's kind of like half-assing their way through life and then getting fucking destroyed. Um, Think about the anxieties of that in this movie. And then think about January 6th, right? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, replace blood drinking ghouls with smooth brain, quasi fascist pieces, pieces of shit. And uh-huh. that's fucking the world we live in 2022. I mean, if these jerk offs were as organized as these energy, these fucking radiation vampires, we would have already lost the country. And, Dude, and they put a guy, they put a fucking guy in the White House. What are you talking about? It's tr- no, it's true. But I'm just saying like this assault, it, 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 it works on multiple levels. One as a metaphor for any creeping disaster, you could use it for climate change. You could use it for fascism, whatever it is, but any sort of creeping crisis that we're currently ignoring the movie works as a metaphor for that, but it is also literal, right? Like any organized group who is willing to be ruthless and, uh, and actually act while the other group is too busy maintaining the status quo to act could easily overthrow everything very quickly. And it's happened before we keep acting like, well, no one could ever overthrow stuff in the U S cause that doesn't happen. I mean, it hasn't happened here yet but it happens places all the time throughout history. It's a constant of, of these, these upheavals. But also I will say those two examples are the ones I was thinking of. I was also thinking like, to what extent is there also like this idea of like, if the society is this fragile, because it's, it's important to keep in mind. And, and sometimes people forget this. Uh, Umberto Lenzi was an anarchist, right? And yeah. so like, he definitely was not the kind of anarchist that had morals that were too high to do work for money. Like he definitely made movies not to change the world, but to pay his fucking bills, yes. uh, 
which by the way makes him in my mind one of the best genre directors in Italy like even though he kept just taking jobs to j- take jobs he often made really great movies with these scripts he was given you know like he he was really good at what was asked of him which is like take this idea and do something good with it i think he he does that a lot and this is a great example of that but that being said um i i do i am watching this thinking like how in what ways are these radiation vampires that different than any revolutionaries, you know, of course I'm thinking of them as fascists cause I don't want fascists to ruin my country, but, uh, maybe they could be other people, you know, I don't know. I, I, I almost, I almost was like, well, this could kind of be a, a good map for other people to take over a city if they wanted to, yeah. but granted, maybe you'd have to drink some blood though. That might be gross. And be radioactive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, like this movie came out forty years ago, so it's impossible yeah. to say it, it predicted the, you know, the you know what the fucking nonsense we're going through today. But no, I find it hard to believe that Lindsay. What year was he born? He was born in nineteen thirty-one. So this man was like alive when fascism was was washing across Europe, like. When did when was the March on Rome like Mussolini's March on Rome? That was what like the late twenties. Yeah, I think that's right. So yeah, like this guy, it. I don't think it's a coincidence that like also all the zombies had shirts that were like a shade of brown. No, but like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was on purpose. If that was like, uh, that it's not a coincidence. You know, you talk about like the, the like some some kind of creeping threat. Or in this case, galloping and fucking frantic threat. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just, I also just realized it, it, it's a. It was a. It, it's called Nightmare City. That's that's why the ending works the way it does. Nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I you know. Nightmare, I, Liam. I'm not convinced that your critique isn't right in that they couldn't figure out an ending, so they just tacked on that ending just to have an end. You know what I mean? Like. That it might be totally cheap, but for me, it's a. You know what I would compare it to that I think you would get. What's that? The last very heavy cave-in record. Okay. There are oh. some. There are some moments on that record that later would become my most hated things in hardcore, like just like certain moments that would become so cliche metalcore that I'm like this fucking bullshit. But on that record, I'm like, yeah, man. All right. It works, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about this ending. It's corny. It's a cheap cop-out. It's definitely a way to cover your ass when you can't figure out how to end a movie. But it is the first one I know of that did this particular gimmick. So I'm like, that's fine. It's fine. I, You know, I don't mind it. It doesn't make me unhappy. Um, But but I do think it, it works for me in one sense to the extent of like the hopelessness of it. This is an essentially hopeless movie. And that oh, is yeah. that is the thing that it keeps pounding in your face is like you never believe from the moment they get off the plane until Hugo Stieglitz watches his lady friend fall from a helicopter. You never believe that this shit's going to work out. You always believe that these melted faced commandos are always going to win. They're just they're going to win. There's no moment in the film where it's like, I don't know, maybe we're going to be OK. It's just this mounting horror. And. The anxiety for me, and maybe this is different for other viewers, is the frustration throughout the film of like, no one gets it. Like only Hugo Stieglitz gets how bad this situation is. 
everyone's just fucking twiddling their thumbs, trying to live their lives while these fucking melty faced jack offs show up and murder them and drink their blood and rip, rip their limbs off and shit. There's a scene literally where these two, this couple is having a picnic and they hear on the radio, like, get the fuck out of here. And they're like, does that apply to us? <laughs> and then li- what? She literally says, I'm not going to let this ruin my weekend. Yeah. And then what happens? They get, like, literally a few minutes later, the people they're waiting to meet pull up with guns and murder them. It's, it, again, it's, I, I understand someone is like, this movie has nothing to do with politics. Yeah, I guess. I mean, in, in, a, in a very real sense, it is entirely an exercise in violence. But I, for, for Lindsay, I do think it was political to make it about radiation, right? I think that's a decision he made on purpose. But yeah. to me, I can't help but think of it in a political sense because we are living in such an age where people aren't taking seriously the crises of our day. I mean, if you could watch this movie and never once think of COVID or never once think of fascism or never once think of any other number of things that it feels like we're not really dealing with properly, then you are a different person than me because the whole time – yeah, oh, yeah, radiation is bad. Yeah, I guess. People want to drink my blood is bad. The thing that's giving me so much anxiety is, come on, you motherfuckers. No one knows something's going wrong. I mean, the guys are just trying to do fucking surgery when the power's out and there's monsters in there. And, you know, yeah. although I do like when the doctor throws the scalpel at the guy. I thought oh, that was like pretty a fucking, badass. Like, a, like, a, like, he, like he does it like he's fucking Bruce Lee. It's so awesome. It's so good. Yeah. I love this movie. I mean, ending aside, I don't want I don't want people to think that like like this I I, I don't know. This 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 movie is it's a fucking blast. Um I I love I don't know. It's just like one of those movies again, I think it's a little you see a lot more people talk about it than you do like the Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, but I don't know. It's just a lot well, of fun. I'll, I'll put it this way. Among the sorts of freakazoids who probably see themselves at the same level as us, like real horror nuts, this is a common movie. Everyone talks about this. But the more casual horror fan, the, the sort of person who's seen some Romero but never, maybe never watched an Argento film before, yeah. they don't know this fucking movie. Like, no. you're, you're, I would go so far as to say, like, even your like obsessive horror convention person, they might be so involved in American slashers that they've never occurred to them to watch a movie like this. But like this has all the action excitement you want. This is not a, a, a lesson in atmosphere. This is not a Jean Roline film. You know what I mean? Like this is very much like nonstop. And maybe for some people it's too old for their taste, but I just feel like, you know, if you're looking for something that is exciting, this is basically pretty high tension all the way fucking through and and yet it's still mostly fun at the same time you know yeah it's it's definitely like it's it's uh it's not quite a romero film but it's better than like a bruno matei film sure i mean i think you you come after my man matei a little too much but hey i'm just saying it's better oh i'm sorry this is not as good as rats i mean it's better than rats but i do love rats i mean rats is very good yeah yeah all right, so that was Nightmare City. Uh, you should watch it. Um, it's on, I think it's on Apple TV. It's not streaming anywhere for free, so. But it's. I it's mean, a, straight up, I bought the Blu-ray. I just went. Yeah. I just bought it because I was yeah. like, I can't believe I don't own it. There's no easy way to watch it, so I'm just gonna buy it. Yeah. I will say it had. It will come up on other streamers though. It was on Shutter for a while, but it left Shutter 
I think in the fall last year and it hasn't come back. So, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible that it will show up on streaming again at some point, yeah. but I will say there are Blu-rays of it available if you can find one. So. Or DVDs if you're like me. A fucking crazy person. True. All right, so that's our episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Essex Coffee Roasters and LVAC. You can check them out at www.xlvacx.com and essexcoffeeroasters.com and check out the homie Sharky at mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Uh, you can find us. You can head to patreon.com if you want to become a patron. Um, head to cinepunks.com to hear more episodes of this podcast and several other great podcasts like The Carnage Report and 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 uh twitch of the death nerve and 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 cinepunks and and wine and cheese and you can read some of the fantastic the amazing perfect reviews that i wrote i wrote some amazing reviews the best the tremendous everyone says it's the best um but until next time uh fuck clarence thomas fuck uh neil gorsuck fuck brett kavanaugh fuck john roberts um Who's the other guy? Fuck Alito. Fuck Amy Cohen Barrett. What, is that her name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah fuck her. Um, and also just, you know, keep your hands off a woman's body. Keep your yeah. balls off a woman's body. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Fuck you. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!